as we open and worship.
Amen. I want to welcome you today. Uh, it's our uh, communion service Sunday. We do once a month on the second Sunday of the month, and we are glad that you are here and going to be able to be a part of that. Uh, we have the regular elements of the Lord's Supper here, and then we have irregular I, I shouldn't say that. That's funny, right? <laughs> we have, uh, they'll be coming in shortly for those that would prefer to, uh, they, they use gloves, uh, latex gloves, in putting all of this out. Uh, and we did so uh, on the trays that have the prepackaged ones, and they'll be out uh, a little bit later in the service if you would prefer to do that. So just trying to make everybody uh, accommodated to as much as is possible. So we're glad you're here today. If uh, you're new to Faith Family, there's a co connection card that is in front of you. If you take a moment and fill it out, we would certainly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you and uh, to thank you for coming and being here and then to see if we can be of any encouragement or help to you. Uh, we will be back tonight at 6 o'clock for our prayer time. Uh, there'll be an opening Time. We'll have a little uh, time of instruction where we will talk about prayer and then we'll break up into our prayer groups. And uh, if you're new to this, guess what? We are too. This is our first time to do it this way on Sunday night. So we'll just see how this works out. Uh, the uh, children, uh, grades five and down, will be uh, with, sorry, the pastor back in the choir room. We're going to have a good time. Uh, I got a special guest for you guys and uh, hopefully a special treat for you. So I'm, I'm bribing you to come. Uh, we'll see how many of the little, little ones come and uh, if we have uh, a need for, a, for the younger children, we will. Uh, uh, Daisy has volunteered to take care of that and so we appreciate Daisy doing that. So please plan to come back. Next Sunday night, we're going to do an outreach uh, to the uh, uh, rehab and uh, uh, nursing home facility at Montrose. We've got some things that we'll be packaging and preparing for them for our Thanksgiving. And uh, so you'll want to come and be a part of it next Sunday night. Uh, we mentioned last week that actually last Sunday we, uh, we had Samaritan's Purse. It was uh, Stand Sunday, which is for encouraging us as believers to take our stand and be active in foster care and adoption. And it was also um, a uh, uh, World Martyrs Day, where we were supposed to remember so, those who have been martyred for their faith in Christ. And so uh, uh, we couldn't do it all in one day. And so today uh, we have a special guest that's going to speak to you now. It's not live uh, because it's probably 1230 in, at night where he's at. But if you'll give attention to Matthew on the screen. I hope and pray. It's, it's gone. I, I, you know, uh, uh, he had a wonderful story to tell you. He had the beautiful mountains in uh, Taiwan in the background. It worked. It worked earlier. It worked uh, last night. Uh, and I'm sorry the video's not up there. But uh, he's telling you how much he misses you and uh, 
how uh, if you are uh, able, would you consider uh, being a part of the redemption of the gospel? He talked about the uh, story of the, uh, the Good Samaritan. And uh, the Good Samaritan had a sovereignly appointed person in need before him. And the consideration was, what do I do? What do we do? And, uh, and that's what he likened adopting or fostering to. And that is taking care of a person that God has put in front of you uh, that you can help show the gospel to. And uh, he asked us to be in prayer for those who are. And uh, I don't want to embarrass y'all, but I'm going to, I guess, by asking if you're in the foster care or you have adopted, uh, would you please stand so we can know to pray for you? All right. Thank you. Betsy in the back. Uh, and uh, yes, foster parents. And so you continue to pray for them, and y'all may be seated. Uh, if uh, you're to pray also for the ministries of our church that help and assist uh, foster care and to uh, look for some ways that you can uh, come alongside a foster family or an adoptive family and uh, be an encouragement to them. And then you prayerfully ask the Lord how you can uh, consider being a foster parent or an adoptive parent. So let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. And Father, there is a, an attachment to what Matthew and Tara are doing, uh, knowing that Mary Alice and Lucy are about to have Sophie come and join them uh, in their home. And we want to pray, Lord, for your continued watch care over this process. Pray for Matthew that you would continue to meet his need. And uh, Lord, we just ask that uh, every step of his way would be ordered by you. And so, Lord, you are our great and gracious God. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be encouragers, supporters, and uh, facilitators of those who are already serving foster care or as adoptive parents we thank you for their life their sacrifice and for the gospel that is being proclaimed through their lives and then Lord we we pray that you would guide us in ways that we can be involved and that we can support uh, thank you for this church body who has a heart for reaching out to those who are in need need a mom, need a dad, need to know Christ, need to be loved, and help us to do that well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, our memory verse for the month uh, is found in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 135, uh, verses 5 and 6. Uh, repeat it with me if you would. It says, For I know that the Lord is great. And that our God is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does. In heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the deeps. Psalm 135, 5 and 6. 
And I just want to encourage you, it fits in with the message today, that whatever the Lord pleases, He does. And we lose sight of that sometimes and need to be reminded that He is in charge. So would you join me in standing and in singing worship unto the Lord in song?
to the shore of the rock of Christ. It reminds me of a Charles Spurgeon quote. I have learned to kiss the waves that toss me against this solid rock. No matter what trials, no matter what you're going through, cling to the Lord. Hold on to him because he is the only firm friend of the only solid rock.
pray for Pastor Joel as he brings the message that you will give us ears to hear God and hearts to understand that we will leave this building better equipped to be your church, better equipped to love you and serve you. God, as we take communion today, that you will prepare our hearts, take it with a thankful, with a grateful heart. Lord, we love you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Amen, and thank you, Alex, and our worship team for leading us in worship this morning uh, to encounter a great and wonderful God. Uh, the uh, communion cups or Lord's Supper packages are back on that table back there, and uh, if you uh, would prefer to use that, uh, this would be a good time for you to get up and go since we're in transition, and I'll forget when it's later. So if you don't do it now, uh, I'll, I'll not remember to tell you. So uh, We're talking about giving thanks during this month of Thanksgiving. And uh, we talked about being thankful for the people of God, that God's put a, us a part of a body of believers. And uh, what a great grace that is to be encouraged by one another. Uh, we're to encourage one another daily while it is called a day. There's a night that's coming when uh, it will be more difficult to do so. And so we should do that today in this moment, this hour. We, we don't know what tomorrow holds for us. Uh, we certainly know who is in charge of that. But yet at the same time, uh, we have opportunity to give thanks for one another. But today, in light of uh, having the Lord's Supper, we're going to talk about giving thanks for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, one of the terms that is used uh, from denomination to denomination, we might call the Lord's Supper different things, but one of the terms that's used is the Eucharist. You may have heard of that. And actually, that's just a Greek word that's been brought over into English, which refers to after the Lord gave thanks, he said, take this bread and eat it. And it means to give thanks. And uh, so I want you to be encouraged today to truly, fully give thanks to the Lord for the great gift that He gives us in His Son, Jesus Christ, as you and I are privileged 
we're going to go through a uh, ordinance of the church. There are two, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Uh, they're symbols, they're metaphors to help us to understand what, it, what we do in, with Christ. One, we are immersed in Christ and we die to an old life and we're raised by Christ into a new life of Christ here so that we put off the old man regularly and put on the new man. Uh, that's the Christian life and baptism pictures that for us. And here we're talking about uh, taking all of Christ and all of me. You, you taking Christ and all of yourself. And uh, we're going to look at the text here. We won't read all of chapter 6. Uh, it's quite lengthy. It has 71 verses in it. Uh, but uh, I do need to give you a history, just a short history, uh, uh, and uh, recite to you a little bit about what the chapter is about. Number one, I want to, to help you to know that um, the, uh, there's about a year's time frame between chapter 5 and chapter 6. Uh, you, you don't see that in your Bible. It doesn't note that for you. But John is writing at a much later date. He's writing as an elderly man, uh, probably close to 90 when he is writing this. And he has a whole different purpose in the way that he writes it as opposed to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. However, this is one of those uh, miracles uh, takes place in chapter 6 that is recorded in all four Gospels. And uh, it is the last one that is recorded in all four Gospels. Um, I think I've got a map in there. Do I not? I, can you see that? That is the Sea of Galilee. And uh, uh, when we come to the opening verses, verses 1 through 15, it's in reference to the feeding of the 5,000. I, I wish I could blow that up a little bit. But that's in the northern part of Israel. The Jordan River uh, runs out of the south of uh, the Sea of Galilee and runs down through the Jordan Valley and it, and it ends where? The Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is the lowest point on the planet and uh, it's noted for always taking in and never giving out and therefore it is dead. And it's a great reminder to us. Uh, if we're always just taking and not giving out, uh, that's just a dead Christianity. And so here we are up in the highlands on the way to Mount Hermon. And uh, in the northern part, you may see there are three cities that are listed there. Gennesaret, which is where Jesus did a lot of the teaching, and Capernaum, uh, which is uh, where... Uh, uh, Mary Magdalene, well, she was not from Magdalene, uh, Capernaum. She was from Magdala, which was just next door. It's not on the map. Uh, but, uh, and then Bethsaida, uh, Peter's house was in Bethsaida. Jesus was probably living in Bethsaida at this time. And so when we have the feeding of the 5,000, it tells us they went out into a desolate place. And so where that little... Uh, Red part is, that's the section area where the feeding of the 5,000 took place. And uh, so what's the significance? Not a lot, except it's not near Jerusalem. Uh, 
when Jesus goes to Jerusalem, he goes there uh, next for the purpose of sacrificing himself in our behalf for our sins. Uh, Jesus, uh, after feeding of the 5,000, he sends the disciples to their boats. They get on the water and uh, Jesus goes alone to pray. And you'll remember that during the night, uh, he comes walking on the water. Uh, verses 16 through 21 of this chapter record that. It doesn't record all the details. It doesn't talk about uh, Peter sinking in the water. Uh, but but uh, the, the point is, uh, we see the miraculous event of the Lord Jesus Christ taking place. Uh, again, attributing the fact that he was indeed God come in the flesh. Uh, in verses 22 through 40, Jesus teaches the disciples and those that are there, because what happened, uh, Jesus joins these 12 apostles in another site, and the 5,000 did what? They followed. Uh, they went and joined. And uh, th they've come after Jesus, and so he begins teaching them that he, he himself is the true bread. He's, he's referencing back to the fact that they were marveling at the fact that Jesus had fed them with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. And that is a marvel, is it not? I mean, if you had been there, you had seen it, you'd be like, I got to go see this again. This is amazing. And that's what they did. They followed the Lord Jesus. But it is there that Jesus teaches them that he himself is the bread. When you and I take of the bread today, it's to remind us that it, he is our bread, our sustenance, that which keeps us alive. And he is also our drink, and the drink represents the blood of Christ. And what can wash away my sin? We sing it, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, the book of Hebrews goes into great detail. that tells without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And uh, we're to be careful that we not mistreat that truth of the blood of Christ and by our living against the grace of God, we trample underfoot the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're to give it honor and respect. And then when we come to verses 41 through 51, Jesus teaches that the Father is the one that draws us to himself so that we may believe. And now I want to come to read the text of Scripture uh, I'll introduce uh, verses 60 through 71 by reading verses 53 and 56. So if you have your Bible, John chapter 6, uh, verses 53 through 56, where it says, And so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, amen, amen, this is, he's telling you to listen. I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his cup, you have no life in you. And that's a pretty definite statement. There's, there's no ambiguity. There's no questioning uh, what Jesus is saying. If you do not eat the flesh of Jesus and drink his blood, there's no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has, possesses, now and into eternity, eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, 
and my blood is true drink. And whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Those are hard words. The disciples are getting ready to say that. I remind you, the chapter begins with 5,000 men, not including women and children. So he starts out a church. I'm going to put it in that context, okay? He starts out with a church of 5,000. I want you to see what size church he has at the end of the chapter. So look at verse 60. And many of the disciples heard it and they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending ascending to where he was before? which he's getting ready to do. They don't know that. He's told them that, but they don't get it. It is the Spirit, verse 63 says, who gives life. The flesh is, how much help? No help at all. You and I, in our own ability, have no help at all. It's the Spirit who gives life. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And so he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. After this, after making these statements, these hard statements, it says many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus then said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed. And, you have come, and we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And then Jesus even makes another hard statement. Jesus answered them and said, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is the devil? And he spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And he said, For he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. And let's bow in prayer again. And Father, these, these words are hard. The, these aren't the words that... Uh, uh, in, in humanity and in our flesh that we would use to try and draw a crowd to church. And indeed, when you spoke it to these 5,000 men and others beside them, when, when the dust was settled, there were only 11 men standing. And so, Father, help us to understand and comprehend what you are trying to teach us today and what you're saying to us as we take of the Lord's Supper, as we give you thanks for the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as the substitute for our sin in a world and a culture who is increasingly coming to hate uh, that concept and to despise it, Lord, may we, the people of God, embrace it 
In the same way that Peter did by saying, Lord, where else can we go? We have come to believe in you. And Lord, we give you thanks for being our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. So you see, in the eyes of the world and the way we measure success, Jesus failed. Now I know I, re I realize that if you just take that quote uh, and uh, don't put it in the right context, uh, you have cause to fire me, right? Our, our Jesus failed. But he, he did fail according to the standard of man because he started out with a minimum of 5,000 people and at the end of the day he had 11. I mean, that, you don't, you know, that's not the way to get a uh, conference for uh, church leaders. You know, let's have a church leadership conference on how to decline a church. Uh, pastors want to go to church meetings, uh, conferences where uh, it tells you how to grow a church. And yet, you and I have to remember that, that Jesus says these very hard words. And he says, if anyone comes after me, in Luke chapter uh, 9, 23, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Those are hard words. Th those are not the words that I heard as a young person growing up in church. I, was, I, was he I heard the message that Christ loved me, he died for me, and if I would give my life to him, I would have the best life that you could ever have. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm glad that I didn't believe that, or I'm glad the Lord put some... Uh, uh, spiritual cotton in my ear so that I couldn't hear those words. I, I can remember hearing the call to salvation of exactly what Jesus said, and that is it's, it's not, it's not going to be an easy road. And all you have to do is look at the Lord Jesus Christ and see that the Christian life, because, I mean, if anybody lived the Christian life, who was it? <laughs> Christ. He is the Christian life. He is life itself, and and yet he was misunderstood, he was shamed, he was persecuted, he was beaten, and he was crucified. And so to be a follower of Jesus Christ does not put you in the uh, most likely to succeed category as far as the world's concerned. And uh, our flesh does not want to hear that. I want to hear uh, the promise that... Uh, uh, Jesus came that you, you might have life and you might have it abundantly. That's true. I think it was Mark Lowry, that comedian, Christian comedian singer, who uh, is a pretty good theologian. I, I, I liked his statement on uh, grace. He said, anything above hell is grace. Amen? That's pretty good. And... Uh, and, and when he was, he was talking about this, uh, uh, he, he uh, reminded us that uh, being a follower of Jesus Christ is the most costly life that one can live. Because he said, uh, when we talk about life having, uh, having life abundantly, we're talking about when you find out you've got cancer, but you know you have life in Christ, that's life abundantly. Life abundantly is not tied up into things that we in our humanity tend to tie it up in, and that is comfort, success, 
material possessions, friendships, things. That's not, that's not where we find our joy. We find our joy in the one who is our life. He is the bread of life. He is our drink, and we come to take of him. So uh, we, uh, we come to uh, ask this question, and I'm going to ask you several questions this morning. When Jesus did this, what in the world was Jesus thinking? I mean, think about it for a minute. If I started uh, preaching sermons that said, uh, really, I don't think you really want what you, uh, you're not going to get what you really want in coming to Jesus Christ, unless what you want from Jesus Christ is the forgiveness of sin, a selfless life, a life that is willing to sacrifice itself for others and the kingdom of heaven and for God himself. You know, Jesus does that. He, he makes that hard statement, except you eat flesh, drink blood, you have no life in you. Now, on a purely humanistic level, what does that sound like? It's, it sounds like cannibalism, doesn't it? And that's what they heard. They heard with the ear of the flesh and not the ear of the spirit. And when they heard that, they said, he's wanting us to do what? I think this guy's gone crazy. Uh, he's lost his mind. And there are those who thought that then, and there are people who think that now about Christ. And guess what? There have even some people that think that about you. I'm sorry. If you are a fo indeed a follower of Jesus Christ, they think you've lost your mind. Why, why would you do that? Why would you spend your time doing this, coming together like this? Why would you give of your resources so that this message would be shared to the ends of the earth? That's crazy. Look at the other things you could buy. Uh, other things you could do. Think about the vacation you could go on if you didn't spend that money. D do you see that? That's exactly what they're thinking. And uh, if... if, if that's true, it makes sense why they responded the way they did. So I want to ask another question then. In light of the text is, can, can you be a disciple of Christ and quit? And the answer from the text is yes. Does that surprise you? That's exactly what the scripture says. Back in John's gospel, well... Uh, look at verse 66 of John 6. It says, and many, after this, many of his what? Disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. That's a hard statement. I mean, this is, you know, this is like, well, I came to church today for steak and baked potatoes spiritually. And preacher, you're about, you're giving me a rock. You know, I'm just chewing on a rock this morning. And it is like that. That's exactly what he says. Many turned back and no longer f followed him. I, I, the word many doesn't really cover it when you put it in, in uh, apposition to one another. 5,011. 5,000 quit. 11 continued. Back in John chapter 2. Right before Jesus gives us that great uh, gospel presentation in the third chapter, 
when he talks to Nicodemus and then he gives us that most beloved verse that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life back in chapter 2 verses 23 and following it says and when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast many did what believed isn't that what John three sixteen says do absolutely many believed in him but then it puts a you could almost put a parenthesis here to help us to understand when when they saw the signs that he was doing why were they believing they were believing because of what Christ was doing in the flesh in the in the natural world the miracles that he was doing and so they were looking at that and you know uh, I got up this morning and my my hip was hurting and I took my spinal cord stimulator control and I I just started zipping it up pretty high I'm tingling up here right now okay and I gotta tell you if Jesus walked in the door and he said line up if you want to be healed I'm on you know I, I can't run but I bet I could come close to it right you know what I'm talking about that's what they were doing they were coming to him and saying, well, you know, he, he's going to heal me. He's going to make me better. He's going to make my life better. They lined up. Verse 24 of John 2 says, but Jesus on his part, and it's translated in the English, did not entrust himself to them. It's the same word as believe in the original text of Scripture, which kind of gives us both an understanding here it gives us an understanding of what faith is doesn't it Jesus did not commit himself to them he did not entrust himself to them those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ are committing themselves to Christ and are entrusting themselves to the Lord now why would Jesus if they believe not commit himself to them it says because he knew all people and needed that no one bear witness about man, he knew for himself what was in a man. He knew they were there for one reason and one reason alone, not because they were broken, ruined sinners in need of a Savior. They were not there for the Lamb of God to take away their sin. They were not there to fulfill their design by loving heavenly creator who made them for his own good and glory. But they were looking for him to be for their own good and their own glory. They were misguided in their application and understanding of who Jesus was. And Jesus did not commit himself to them. So they came to Jesus on the wrong terms. So the third question I'll ask you is, then what are the terms of Jesus? What are his terms? Well, I'll just, I'll just read off some. Uh, repentance and faith. Apostle Paul uh, reminded us in Acts that uh, uh, he was faithful to pe- preach repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance means that you understand that you are a sinner. You're, you're, 
you're broken because of your sin. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. And they need to be turned away from. And then faith not in yourself. The flesh can accomplish nothing. But it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's, a, it's understanding your full sinfulness. It's understanding that God has given us a clear word. And it's an absolute word. Like the Thessalonians. Remember they received the word of God for what it was. The word of God. They accepted it. If you're going to come to him on his terms, it's by what he said, not what you and I think. It means receiving Christ and asking him to be your Lord and Savior. And that's full. That it's, it, it's pregnant with meaning. I mean, it's bursting out all over when it says, receive the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I want him to be my savior. I don't want to go to hell, but I really don't want him to get in my business. That's not salvation. You can't do it. It's like saying, well, I, I, I want to be married to Janet. I'm going to love her, but I'm not living with her. Now, is that a marriage? It's not. Okay? Because when you live with somebody, guess what? They get in your business. <laughs> they get into your stuff. They get into your life. They tell you, no, you can't go out tonight. And I go, well, why can't I go out tonight? I want to go out tonight. And there comes this disagreement. I want to do what I want to do. And so it is to say, I want Jesus to be my Savior, but I don't want him to be my Lord. When Jesus says, this is what I want you to do, where I want you to go, when I want it to happen. All of a sudden, if we begin arguing with him, he is not acting as Lord in our lives. And if we belong to him, we'll, become, we'll come under the disciplining hand of a loving father. And if we can do that and not come under that, we're in trouble. So, we have to confess him before men. That's his terms. We have to follow him in believer's baptism. We have to persevere. That's his terms. We have to experience a transformative life. It's not something we produce, but it's a part of the package, is it not? If we're not transformed, to be in Christ is to be a new creation. The old passes away, the new comes. Uh, we're to be uh, lovers of Christ. We're to be lovers of His Word. We're to be lovers of His people. We're to be lovers of the lost. We're to be witnesses to Him. So, I mean, I could go on and on and on and say we, we don't come to Christ on our terms. We come to Christ on His terms. The man said, what must I do to be saved? Je the answer was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So when we talk about believing, we're talking about entrusting my life to him. So preacher, you understood all of that when you were converted. No. And do I understand it all now? No. I, I came as a child. We come as, a ch as children to the Lord, don't we? But what do children do? Children come in complete and absolute trust and surrender. You know, if, if you make a promise to your child, what does your child expect? <laughs> you to keep your promise. They do. They expect you to do that. That's how children think. And so they should. 
And Jesus said, except you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. To hear the Lord Jesus Christ say, if you will believe upon me, uh, you will be saved. What do we as children do? We come to him and go, absolutely. We fall upon him for mercy and grace. And we are saved and we're born again. But if we come like miserable adults as we can be, and we come and say, well, I really want to go to heaven, but I don't want all of this other stuff that goes along with it. That's not salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I have to be born again of the Spirit of God. John 3, 8 tells us the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it. You don't know where it's coming from, so it is with everyone who is born of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. It has to be a spiritual birth that takes place. What does Jesus offer? It's another question. What does he offer then? In John 5, uh, 6, 54, he says, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has what? Eternal life. Eternal life. Life that uh, lasts forever, both here and in eternity. But you know, we've, we've learned from uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer, the real Lord's Prayer, in John chapter 17 and verse 3, and this is eternal life. That's a pretty, that's a definition, okay? This is eternal life that they, God's children, may know you. He's speaking to the Father, the Lord Jesus is, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What do we get? What does he offer us? What was he offering this crowd there in, in John chapter 6? Eternal life. Now, I, I, you know, I want you to visualize what he's offering you at this table is what? Well, you say, well, it's just crackers. And in our case, grape juice. But it's a picture. It's a symbol of, of what? Of life. And life eternal. The forgiveness of sins. And the question is, do we have it? And if we do, ha if we do have it... Are we living like it? And are we giving thanks to Him daily? Or are we murmuring? That's what these disciples, these followers... And by the way, just to say I'm a disciple of Christ doesn't mean you're a disciple of Christ, does it? Gary Mounts uh, and I were talking last weekend and, and he was saying, you know, I remember an evangelist saying if you, if you lived in a garage, that, would that make you a car? And uh, I'd go far, I'd go much farther than that because I'd, I'd have to put a headlight on and a tag on my bumper and, and have a horn, you know. If you had all of that and you lived in a garage, what does that make you? Crazy, right? <laughs> put on all the trappings of what it appears on the outside to be a Christian, that doesn't make you a Christian saying I'm a disciple, which means a learner, a disciplined follower, a learner of someone else. These were not born again children of God. That's how they could turn and walk away. Jesus offers us an eternal life. And so what must we really do to be saved? Truly, truly, Jesus said in John 6, 47, Whoever believes has eternal life. It's really that simple. You see, salvation is a work of the Spirit of God. 
And when the Spirit of God is at work calling you to salvation, you really come like a little child and you believe. He grants to you that wonderful opportunity of opening your ears and your eyes, not to all the Christian life is, but to Christ, to Him, to the lovely one, to see Jesus high and lifted up. And the train of His holiness filling everything. But to realize that in the Lord Jesus Christ are the crucified hands. They're the, they're the brow of His head that had the crown of thorns. They're the place where the nails were thrust through His feet. There was the place in His side that the sword had pierced. But far more than that is the realization that in eternity past, he was sent by the Father to become the crucified one. And in the cross, he bore our sin in his body on the tree. And when he cried, it is finished, he was saying, I've paid the debt. It's been settled. All who have been born again of the Spirit of God are his. And so Jesus said, come and Eat and come and drink. It was St. Augustine in one of his lectures who said, Believe and you have eaten. Trust and you have drank. Have you come to receive the Lord Jesus Christ? He is the one who gives life. He's the life giver. Verse 36, uh, 63 rather says, And the Spirit who gives life, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no help at all. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. They are. Have you come to receive all of Him? Now there was one who didn't that was still in the twelve, right? His name was Judas. And Judas betrayed Jesus, and you and I may ask the question, did Jesus make a mistake when he picked Judas? Because he chose him. And the answer is no. Judas was chosen for a particular purpose. I mean, Judas had a hook in his nose. And Jesus was leading him around. And you may say, well, that's not fair. Jesus is pulling around. Doesn't that go against his uh, free will? Uh, chapter 6 is full of how many unbelievers? A minimum of 5,000. A minimum of 5,001. Because we don't know how many women and children were there at that particular time. There were, there were enough belie- uh, unbelievers to go around. And Jesus chose this unbeliever and said, You have an assignment to fulfill the Scripture. So that the scripture might be fulfilled that one that Jesus had chosen would be replaced. To fulfill the scripture said that one would betray him with a kiss. He was chosen. And what you and I as believers need to understand, it was to fulfill God's purpose. Uh, Don't want to read uh, uh, the whole of Acts chapter 1. Uh, verses 16 through 20, but it tells the story of Judas's role in the betrayal of the Lord Jesus Christ. It tells us that uh, in verse 20, it was written in the book of Psalms, May his camp 
become desolate. Let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office. What is that? That's a prophecy that, that he fulfills. That he fulfills. And what Judas was when the scripture says that he came to crush the head of Jesus. It's a picture of what it's talked about in Genesis chapter 3 and verses 15 and 16. Where it says that Satan desires to crush Jesus' head but Jesus will do what? Uh, uh, Satan only crushes Jesus' feet, his heel, and he will crush Satan's head. And that, that's the fulfillment of it all. And you and I got to take great comfort in the fact that you're not in control of salvation, and neither am I. When I talk to someone about Christ and ask them, would you like to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And they say, yes, man, I want to do everything I can, physically possible, spiritually possible, mentally possible, to tie that night, not, uh, not very tightly so that I know that they are saved. And you know what? I am absolutely incapable of doing any of that. I can't make sure somebody's saved. Only Christ can do that. And when Christ does it, guess what? You know. And it's done. When you're born again of the Spirit of God, there's a new birth. There's a transformation that takes place. There's a new life that comes. There's a willingness to follow Him. It's a willingness to say, day by day, I want to take all of Him in all of me. So why do we do this on a regular basis? It's for that very reason. Because every once in a while during the week, you and I get our eyes not on Jesus. And the scripture says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the beginner and finisher of your faith. And so that's what this is for this morning. It's to come and say, I am receiving afresh and anew the Christ who has birthed me as a child of God into his kingdom. And today I just want to make sure that he has all of me and all of him is in me. You see, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, those words are not offensive to you. Eat his flesh, drink his blood. Because you say, wow, I, that means I get all of him. Absolutely. The lover of your soul. The one that is more precious than silver. The one who is the... The lily of the valley. He is the bright and shining star. He's the creator of all things. He is your savior. And the one that says, I love you and come to me. And I will make of you a new person. So before we take up the table, we're going to have an invitation. And it's an invitation to respond to Christ. Some of us as God's people need to prepare our heart to receive the elements of the Lord's Supper in a way that the Scripture says is not unworthy, that is, not recognizing the blood and body of Christ, not taking it for what it really is. And so we need to repent and say to the Lord, I, I turn from my sinfulness and my selfishness, and I return to you with all of my heart. And just as I did when I was first born again, I want you, all of you, and all of me, all of you and all of me. And then there are some who today may need to say, I'm hearing the call of Christ and I need to be born again in the Spirit of God. And I want to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as the Scripture talks about.
So would you join me in prayer, and then we'll have a time of encouragement to come follow Christ. And so, Father, we do give thanks with a grateful heart to the Holy One who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, we don't want to just give you thanks for other things. There's times to do that. But Lord, we're talking about right now thanking you for you. Thanking you for being Savior to us. Lord, our Creator, our Sovereign, the One who has all the rights and authority over our lives. And Lord, we don't want to be like rebellious children going our own way and doing our own thing. It is in times like this that your word says, Return unto me and I will return unto you, says the Lord. Return unto the Lord while he is near. And so, Father, in this nearness moment... Uh, it is the heart of we as your children, Lord, to not murmur and not complain and, and not, uh, uh, not love one another as we should and not love your word uh, to accept it for what it is and to be in it regularly and not to hold on to unforgiveness but to follow your command to forgive even as we've been forgiven. It's to come and follow you taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And sometimes it, 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 it is to our family members and to our next-door neighbor. And, and so, Father, we, we want to come in this moment to return unto the Lord. And, Lord, I pray that you would make that call clear to many uh, to come and be saved. And the, and the question is what must I do to be saved and the answer is so simple come as a child and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and so we ask you to call and we ask you to give new life and we ask you Lord that as we take of this bread as we drink of this cup in a few moments that it would be a outward picture that we are truly afresh and anew receiving all of you in all of us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to have a song of a response to the Lord to encourage you to come follow Christ. If you're looking for a home church and uh, you'd like to talk to me, this will be a great time for you to come. If you'd like to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to come. But let's stand together and we're going to sing a hymn uh, that calls us to come uh, follow Christ. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise.
is the mount I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads in prayer as she continues to play that song. Christ is the fount. You and I come and drink and drink freely from that fountain which is Christ. When I pray today there would be this cleansing of our souls through the Word of God who, which cleanses us through the confession of sin and through the fellowship of the saints but knowing that as we do that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin but to the one that may be here that's never truly been born of God's spirit would you ask right now of the father father would you draw me to yourself for your word says I, I can't come to you unless you draw me so I ask you to draw me then, Lord, save me. May I be born of the Spirit of God and become a new creature, a new person in Christ Jesus that has eternal life, which, Lord, I know is not just lasting forever in heaven, but it's having you. You are eternal life. And so that's why we... That's why we share in this Lord's table, picturing all of you in all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, uh, we're a little bit out of practice uh, in doing the Lord's Supper uh, like this. So, uh, the men have trained a fresh and a new last Wednesday night and went through it. And so it'll probably be just the pastor who makes uh, any mistakes that are up here this morning. But uh, it, it's not in the perfection of the way we perform up here. It's in what transpires in your heart with your God by the Holy Spirit where you make application to your own life through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so I'll ask our uh, deacons if they will come forward at this time. And we'll prepare to take the Lord's Supper. And so men, if you'll take the trays. And then after you receive the trays, I'll ask a blessing over it and giving thanks to God for it. Yeah, I didn't show up for the training time, so. Okay, let's bow together in prayer. And Father, we do thank you that you lived a perfect and sinful life, sinless life, for we who are sinners. And Father, you granted us such great grace that your life righteousness, keeping all the law through faith, becomes ours. 
And so, Lord, we ask your blessing as we receive this bread. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Savior say thy strength indeed is small child of weakness watch and pray find in me thine all in all Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow Lord now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper's spots and stone. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. And so the scripture says, and now as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after he blessed it, he broke it. And I'm using, of course, the, the Passover bread here, which you're not actually receiving. But he broke it and he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do it in remembrance of him.
of the precious blood of Jesus Christ in our behalf. Father, you have uh, shown us the greatest love, for greater love has no man than this, but that a man would lay down his life for his friends. By your saving grace, Lord, we are your friends. So we ask your blessing on this cup as we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus, not of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow, no other count I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing the blood of Jesus. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink of it, all of you. So it's all of him and all of me. And as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. I hope and pray that you've had a worshipful time today between you and your Lord and your Savior. And that, that when you depart from here, all of him is in all of you. And you would be glad to share him with others. May God bless you. Hope to see you back tonight if you're able to come at 6 for our prayer time. God bless you.